0: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Modern Man Podcast, where we are on the mission of connecting men in pursuit of their potential. And we do that by embracing discomfort, cultivating community, and unlocking potential by blowing wind in each other's sails. And we are getting a gust today from none other than Jim Barnard, pastor, coach, author, speaker, and specifically author of The Suffering Guy joining us on the call. Jim, thank you for taking the time, man.
1: Yo, Ted, you good, man? I'm, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I'm good.
0: I'm good. And I appreciate you asking. Uh, for those that aren't watching, that's on my t-shirt. It says, you good. Part of the You Good t-shirt campaign for the modern man, where 100% of the profits will actually be donated to a men's health nonprofit every quarter. So we appreciate mm. the support on that. But Jim, being the author of The Suffering Guy, I have to ask, are, are you good? Because I know you you say it as, this is the title you did not want.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. That's exactly right. So I, I think I'm good. I always <laughs> got to check in on myself, man. So I've got this story of, of hard suffering and it's been 15 years of, of a journey that we're going to dig into and we're going to share here. But yeah, as today sits, yeah, I'm, I'm really good. The, the book has been a great venue for me to get my story out and to share with people and encourage people. And then the coaching that I get to do, I coach people through the expectation gap. The disappointment, the dissatisfaction, and the distress that exists there. It's a place where none of us want to be, especially men. Like we typically hide when we're in the expectation gap. And that's like the exact wrong thing to do. So I just step into guys' lives and uh, try to help walk through whatever's real at that moment. So, yeah yeah, I'm good.
0: And, uh, I like it. I like it. It's, and it's interesting because a lot of us as guys, we, we tend to to shy away from that expectation gap, that feeling, that, that isolation almost is what we look for. We become recluses when we can't seem to figure things out, which doesn't always work out to our benefit. And it's hard sometimes to come out of that shell. So mm-hmm. you've been able to, to share your story and kind of your journey. And, and I'd love for you to kind of shed some light on that for our, our listeners into how you started navigating your very own experience.
1: Yeah. Thanks. So 15 years ago, I got married. I was so excited to find a, a girl that would actually want to spend time <laughs> with me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So my wife's name is Alicia and we we dated for a year and a half. We actually met at church and I just like fell in love with her so quick. And it, our dating relationship was great, man. Just like so good. We had a 10 week engagement, which is uniquely short, uh, venue issues, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I really think that, you know, at at the end of the day, you know, God was probably moving in some ways that none of us could see because three months after we got married, my wife got really sick. Like everything fell apart. Suddenly, she was just vomiting for hours a day, Uh, just crazy. Like, what's going on? Is this the stomach flu? Is this a virus? You know, maybe a, a week, 10 days, you'll be fine. You know, just, yeah. you know,
0: chill and out, no get some rest
1: before, right? We had some indications that she had some health issues, but nothing indicating that it would like be like this. So, yeah. yeah so like suddenly after a week or 10 days, this isn't going away. She's just as sick as she was on day one. So we started to panic. We went to the emergency room. We started to go see doctors, trying to find someone that could help us because this thing just felt super mysterious. Like, why? Why is Alicia like just puking up every? I mean, literally everything. Mm. And so we found this GI doctor who was really kind, really caring. He said, "I really want to help you, but to be honest, we don't have all the all the top tests here, like the the machines and, and, and stuff. Like we could." We could make do, we could do decent, but I really want to send you to the Mayo Clinic because at the Mayo Clinic, they got all the world-class stuff and, you know, it'd just be like a one-stop shop and get all these tests done, get the answers we need, and then we can move on from there. So, man, I got to be honest, like when Alicia got sick, the honeymoon stopped, you know, like the honeymoon, just like, it was was supposed to be like sweet first year and just, you know, uh, having so much fun and it came to a crashing halt. And when Alicia went off to the Mayo clinic, I couldn't even go with her for really? the entire time. She was there for three months and I had burned all my vacation time already. You know, the, the wedding and the honeymoon and, and all this stuff, like I just couldn't take that much time off. So she was up at in Rochester, Minnesota by herself. And it was the middle of winter freezing cold. Like why do we send sick people to Minnesota in the middle of winter? That's just terrible, but that's the plan, I guess. So she gets up there and I I was there for like the first initial meeting where we got to meet the managing doctor and kind of walk through kind of her history and, and all this stuff. And The Mayo Clinic is a machine, man. Like they see thousands and thousands of patients, not like in a month, but in a day. Like they just crank people out. So we had 15 minutes with this doctor, and he scheduled out what the next three months were going to look like all these different tests and meeting with these different doctors and stuff. And these tests, man, they were the worst, like so invasive, so humiliating. There were different like sweat tests. There was something called anorectal manometry. Like, ugh. Uh, Yeah. There was one thing that the doctor wanted her to do called biofeedback, which can come in all these different forms. Mm-hmm. It was basically training her to learn how to. Sorry, I, I don't mean to be crude here, but training her how to poop again. You know, like because mm-hmm. they they thought maybe like her muscles or something had atrophied on the bottom end, and so there was this woman who would sit underneath Alicia on a false bottom toilet and just coach her through like, relax here, bear down here. Like, can you imagine? Uh, it was, it was awful. It was just brutal three months. So through this, I mean, honeymoon over Alicia's
0: going through all this. How are you? I mean, how are you doing? Cause I'm sure in this phase, you, you want to step up, you want to help, you want to help solve mm-hmm. it, but then it becomes, it sounds like it quickly becomes well beyond your or Alicia's control, right? Oh yeah. And you're probably feeling powerless through this. And I think that's what I feel for a lot of guys where they end up becoming the recluse or where they end up shying away is because once you feel powerless, you, you almost don't know what to do.
1: Man, that is so spot on. I felt like I couldn't control anything at all. Like I I, I was helpless to help my wife. Like I'm supposed to be protecting her. I'm supposed to be taking care of her and I can't do a dang thing to help her. It's totally out of my control. And when she was, you know, hundreds of miles away from me, I'm, I'm like, what do I do? I did become a recluse. You know, I I pulled in on myself. I isolated, I I hid, and it, it wasn't great for me. The good news was, is that I was part of a community that like really cared about me. And they wouldn't let me hide but so much. They invited yeah. themselves in. They held my arms up when I was weak and weary and it was it was amazing what they did. But yeah, like I I hated it. To give an example, Ted, at the end of the 3 months at Mayo, we went back in to see that same doctor that we met with at the beginning. And he walks in and he says, "All right, here's the deal. I don't have a lot of time here, but Alicia, I think you're a ruminator." And I'm not very smart. Like, I, it takes me a little bit longer than the average bear to like get with the program. But I had no idea what he was talking about. Alicia knew right away. She's like, "Hold on, wait. Do you think I'm crazy? Are you? Is that what you're saying? Like, what do you mean?" Yeah. And he's like, "Well, no, not not crazy. I just feel like you've got some things in your life that you just haven't quite dealt with the right way. And you know, probably if you got counseling, these physical problems would go away." And I'm like, what? Like, I was dumbfounded. Like, I wanted to stand up and fight for Alicia. Like, no, man. Like, she's the healthiest person you've ever met. She's She's been through counseling. Like, yes, she's had some hard stuff in her life and her childhood. But like, she is fully adjusted. No one is stronger emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Like, back off, dude. You, you need to rethink this. Yeah. Yeah. But I just sat there on my hands, just letting Alicia fight it out with this guy. And she's, she said, okay, well, what about the anal rectal manometry? I, what was that test result? And he's clearly like opening the charts for the first time. Like, oh, oh, look at this. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. What about the the biofeedback? Oh, wow. Yeah. He's like looking at all this stuff seemingly for the first time. So he's like, all right, well, I need to go. um Our time is up. I need to get to the next patient. So if you need a referral for a counselor just let my office know. And Alicia's like, "Heck no, I'm not letting you leave. I'm not I'm not accepting that as an answer." Me, I'm just sitting there silently. And she said, "Okay, so I've done counseling. I like there's nothing that I can do. There there was this one doctor that had said, "I think you've got this syndrome called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. It's a connective tissue disease that your tissue lacks collagen. Most people that have it are contortionists and uh, they can bend their joints in any direction. Come to find out that is the disease that Alicia has and it's localized Mm in her, in her abdomen. So her core organs have all prolapsed or fallen out of place. She's got cow tissue meshing tacks, trying to keep things where they're supposed to be. Her digestive system has no muscle tone to push food through. Mm -hmm. So she would eat something it would get clogged. And then she would just vomit, vomit, vomit. And so she's fighting with this guy. Like, no, I like this other doctor said Ehlers-Danlos thing is likely. And he just was not having it. He was like, I'm sorry. I, I just don't have time. So we left that appointment and left Minnesota super dejected. And I felt like I had let down my wife by not fighting for her that you know, we we did all this stuff and it, it was pointless. Like it, <laughs> we we have no answers.
0: I gotta ask too, man, how's your wife doing through all this? Because you know, it's it's gotta be exhausting.
1: I mean, it is exhausting. 15 years of this, she's gone downhill like pretty consistently, just a downhill trajectory ever since you know everything fell apart. I don't know how she's so freaking strong, but She is just so convinced that you know God's not done with her, there's a plan for her life, she is not giving up. I mean, life has gotten really small at this point. She can't drive, obviously, can't eat. She's been on a liquid diet for 12 years, Mm. she spent hundreds of nights in the hospital, has had dozens of surgeries. She essentially died on me twice. Like, it's been such a hard road, but. Man, she's been so much stronger than I have emotionally. Like it's it's crazy to me. I wish you I wish Alicia could be on this with me because you guys would be so impressed. Like I married really well. I d- I don't know how she's so strong.
0: I was gonna ask the follow-up is is how has how has the fighting inspired you? And and clearly it kind of is osmosis through you and your coaching helping others, but I wanna attest to how is seeing that fight and that inspiration, that strength. Of inspired you moving forward?
1: Who? That's a good question. Sometimes it's felt a little bit like shame. Like I'm breaking down. She's the one dealing with all this pain. She's got an immense amount of pain. It's insane. Like she falls asleep and she's like whimpering and can't get comfortable. Like it's awful to watch. But she deals with it emotionally great. And I'm over here breaking down, you know, trying to keep it together but struggling like i i got pretty depressed you know during this journey but it it has inspired me because every time i felt like i was at a breaking point she would give me encouragement that like i needed and i would i would say Alicia why like why are you so strong like why why can't i give this to you and she's like what are you talking about you give it to me all the time like you coach me through the pain like you are at every single medical thing and you're holding my hand. Like you've been strong for me. I'm like, really? I don't think so. But I think just showing up, being present, Mm -hmm. you know, staying consistent on that. I guess I've done better than I thought, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. And actually one of my mentors used to tell me, he just says, keep showing up, you know, and you keep showing up because, you know, being reliable and, and someone people can rely on is, is always being there. And, and,
1: mm-hmm. and it seems
0: like you're there each and every single day. Yeah. I want to talk about the, the journey going, going into the book with the suffering guy, where you, you chronicle some of the experiences through this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What was the inception for the thought of writing that, man?
1: Well, over the years, we had tried so much to uh, figure out how to help Alicia. There is no cure for Ehlers Danlos. It's just going to be degenerative. It, there's nothing that can stop it. Seemingly nothing that can slow it down. She had lost a, several organs. Like they took out her her colon at one point because the disease was localized there primarily. And if they didn't take the colon out when they did, it probably would have perforated. It was paper thin, but PVC pipe hard. You know, so like it, th- things have been really... Like hit and miss, you know the entire way, and we were desperate. We've we've seen so many doctors. We've traveled. We've done everything we can, and we, uh, Alicia, finally had this opportunity with this one doctor that we met just totally by accident, who suggested this IV therapy called IVIG. It is antibodies from other people's blood work. Like she just gets pumped with antibodies every week or every other week. And this therapy slowed the downfall. Like it kind of, not kind of, it created a season of plateau for us where she wasn't getting better, but she wasn't getting worse. I wasn't losing my wife as rapidly as I once was. And so we were so thankful for this therapy. It was like, honestly, such a a God-inspired thing, you know? And one day we got a letter from her insurance company saying, hey, we're not going to pay for IVIG anymore. It's no longer medically necessary. I think they thought because she had been free from the hospital for a long time and just hasn't had all the medical, like her plateau almost became a a disadvantage in the eyes of the (laughs) insurance company. Like you're clearly fine. So we're going to stop paying for this because it's expensive. So I started to panic, like, how in the world are we going to cover this? Like, how much is this going to cost to keep you going if we just privately pay for it? And the answer was $300,000 a year. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and as a pastor, I make nowhere close to that. Like, that's just (laughs) not going to be possible. So, man, I started to panic. I started to freak out. Like, how are we going to raise this money? Like, do I do a GoFundMe? Like if I do that, that's awesome. I, I might get it for the first year, but am I doing that every year? Like yeah, I got to do something. So I bought a website that's now defunct. It was called I write to save my wife.com. And I just started writing our story kind of in chapter form. It was raw. wasn't super edited. I mean, like I would reread it once and then post it, Yeah, but I, I, would, I would put it up and then I'd share it on social media. And I'm like, guys. Share this. Like I need this to go viral and not because I want to become famous, but because like Alicia's life depends on it. Like, please share it. Get it to Oprah. Like Oprah can save us. Help me Oprah. You know, like (laughs) she can, she can write that check (laughs) Yeah, and it would all be fine. And so I was, I was just trying to get some momentum on this. And uh, for several weeks, a couple months, like things were going really well. Like it was kind of having some unique reach. Never got it all the way to Oprah, but you know, some people around the world were reaching out and saying, like, "Hey, I I'm reading along. Like, keep writing. Mm-hmm. Like, this is encouraging me. I'm I'm over in Portugal, and I'm I've got MS, and you know, like this is hard for me, and uh, you know, like all, wow. all the stuff, right?
0: Yeah.
1: And to be honest, Ted, man, I was. I was out of my mind, depressed at this point. Like I was desperate to save things for Alicia, but sharing this and then the people dumping their grief on me became like just too much for me to handle. And I just kind of locked up on it. I stopped writing. I stopped posting things on that website. And, you know, not long after the insurance company changed their mind, we won an appeal process, which is rare. I'm so thankful because Alicia was able to get back into a season of plateau. It was nuts, man. It was nuts. And so I had walked away from this book because I was so depressed, but you know, seemingly things are getting better. The circumstances are as good as they're going to get. I really needed to address these depression issues because it was the toll of, you know, all this, you know, distress over the years. Yeah. Like the depression was real and it was a understandable outcome for me. And so I I went away to a treatment center and I got some like medical official, like real help and it changed everything. Like when I came back from this treatment, I was pretty open about this depression bout that I was fighting with and between the sick wife narrative and this open bout of depression, people were hitting me up all the time. Like, yo man, I am really struggling with some stuff. And I don't think anyone could get this, but maybe, maybe you could, it's not, (laughs) it's not your thing, but I just feel like you've gone through so much and like, yeah, cool. Let's meet. Let's go get coffee. I'd share my story. The other guy would share his story, be like, build this trust and authenticity. And we'd be off and running. I'd be unknowingly coaching them through what's, what's hard. And I just saw so much fruit from all of this. Like, I'm really thankful that I've had the opportunity to have this story. I know that sounds messed up because the story is crazy. It really is like insane. I wish I could share like (laughs) so many of the stories from the book, but I'm thankful for the story because I'm able to use it and use it to help other people in profound ways. And if I didn't have, you know, this reality, I don't think I'd have that privilege, you know?
0: Yeah. Where the smooth seas don't make good sailors. Right. And, Mm. and navigating those troubled waters does unfortunately come from, come from experience. And when we find ourselves in the midst of a storm, not knowing where to go, having someone who's navigated the waters before it it makes a world of difference. So man, Jim, for you and Alicia go through that, go through that darkness and, and kind of have the wherewithal. To shed some light, because I've shared on previous episodes and on the podcast before with when I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and landed yeah. in the hospital, and the surgeon looks at me and says, "Hey, at 23 years old, I might lose my large intestine."
1: Jeez, yeah.
0: You know, our worlds can change in an instant, mm-hmm. and just what we might be looking forward to, just might what we might be expecting and building towards completely just disappears. Yeah. And that gap, as you mentioned, the expectation the hope and expectation gap could be mm-hmm. so debilitating to people yeah so being as someone who who works as that guiding light as somebody who who helps kind of you know navigate those troubled waters, what's the first step for somebody who might find themselves in maybe they just received some bad news. Maybe they just had some realization around themselves or their world where things might not turn out how they might have hoped or expected. Yeah. What's the first step for them maybe finding some salvation and solace in that?
1: Yeah. Great question. First of all, I don't think 100% of us are suffering currently, but 100% of us will suffer. There's just yeah. There's no avoiding it. It is going to happen to every single one of us. And When you become aware of the expectation gap in your life, I think the first place to start is to start with reality. Like so much of my life, my married life, I wanted to run from reality. I buried myself in work. Ted, I was working 80, 90 hours a week in seasons. Like I was just, it was something I could control. You know, the reality of of Alicia's sickness, I, I couldn't do anything. There was no control. Like this thing i could control and i was running away from reality and so i think the first step is to own reality your reality is far from your expectations but that doesn't mean it's actually that bad you know there's probably things to be grateful for things to celebrate in your current reality and i think that that's the best kicking off point to overcome any expectation gap is owning that reality finding gratitude celebrating it, and then learning how to manage the disappointment and the dissatisfaction and distress. Like that's, that's secondary, but we got to start with reality. And so I just think, you know, you asked the, the question, like you good. And you told me earlier, like all of us just kind of say, Oh yeah, good. Yeah. Cool. Doing right. Like yeah. whatever, but we're hardly ever honest, you know? And, and sometimes you can't be, you're at, you're at the supermarket, you're at the gas station, Like whatever. <laughs> you're not going to give your your whole like life story there, but there's so many situations that we pass it by where we could like actually answer. We could actually give some context of authenticity and invite someone else into it. And I know that that's scary, but man, it's really like it's the birthplace of overcoming it. It really is.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I always tell people when there's a destination we want to get to so many times we focus on that destination, but we haven't fully except the, the location and where we are in life. And mm-hmm. what's crazy is when we, when we stop and look around the reality of where we are, usually the, the road to that destination isn't, isn't as far as we thought. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as big of a gap as we thought, we tend to uh, exaggerate things in, in one direction.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Dude, I, I so agree with you. How about this? I think we look at situations and we assume an expectation gap like, oh, that's mm-hmm. going to be terrible. I'm going to opt out of it because there's a, a chance of disappointment. But yeah. what we end up doing is we we accept disappointment. <laughs> but it's the disappointment we can control as opposed to letting chance happen. And, and maybe the disappointment isn't that real. Maybe it's not that big to your point. Maybe it actually could work out, but you, you opting out, man, it's like a hundred percent of the time you're going to be disappointed. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Every single time. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, come on.
0: <laughs> it's almost like, uh, what's the saying where they say we suffer more in our imagination than we do in the reality. Ooh. Yes. And we spend so much time worrying about an an outcome that hasn't happened yet that mm-hmm. by the time the occasion came, we spent more time suffering than actually enjoying the actual occasion.
1: Yeah. Oh, and, that's so
0: good. And that gets so many of us. How do we manage our everyday fears, right? The fears and mm-hmm. expectation because through these past, you mentioned 15 years now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's been sure an everyday battle and- I love it when people say it's not a sprint, it's a marathon Yeah, because world-class marathon runners run at a five-minute mile pace. And I don't know if you've ever run a five-minute mile before. (laughs) It's not (laughs) easy. So even if it's a marathon, it's not easy in the day in and day out. How do you tackle those small chunks? How do you win the day?
1: Wow. Okay. So there's been so many days where I've been so consumed by fear. Like, this is the month that I'm going to lose Alicia. This is the week. Today's the day. Like, I'd be thinking about this every single day. I would consume my mind. I would call her and she doesn't answer. And I'm like, oh, well, that's because she's dead. You know, like yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would let my mind go to these crazy places. And I don't know that I was super aware of it, but I was. it was happening, you know, all at the mm-hmm. same time. How do you win the day with that? you got to stay present, man. If I can, you know, you introduced me as a pastor and I know that this isn't a Christian podcast and I'm not trying to just make it rain up in here, but like, I don't know how people do all of this without Jesus, you know, like taking a moment, taking a breath, you know, and breathing it out. And I spend time with God and I'm like, okay, I need you to enter into the narrative today because I can't do it in my own strength. My strength just isn't strong enough. And so that's, How I win it. Now, for those that you know don't believe, they they don't have that context. I have a deep appreciation, and I'm not trying to sell you, although I want you to know about God. Okay, I want you to know about Jesus. (laughs) I think take that moment, take that breath, you know, meditation, a moment of solitude, and find gratefulness right then and there. It's so important. Like if if you're not doing that, I think the fear is just gonna keep like growing like a snowball. Because, man, I've been that snowball that's just like a full-on avalanche. It's destroying everything in its way. Yeah. And I hate it. I hate it.
0: (laughs) Yep. Until the cross is too heavy for you to bear and you watch God carry you in that cross across the finish line. Come on. It's a whole different experience, man. And uh, Jim such an inspiration and i know a lot of our followers and our listeners want to get the book want to follow more of your story or if they are having an expectation or hope gap of their own mm. might want to reach out and hear more connect more and maybe bridge that gap a little bit i'd love for them to get get access to your platform man how can they do that
1: yeah great thanks for prepping that cuz that's that's like at the heart of what i want to do the book is called the suffering guy The website is thesufferingguy.com or on Instagram at thesufferingguy. But my ministry, my my coaching platform is everything to me. I give away coaching and I I just make myself available for people. And that's called Tiller Coaching. So tillercoaching.org or at Tiller Coaching on Instagram. That is everything. Like if I can serve someone... It takes the pain away from the expectation gap. Like we talked about the first step, probably the last step is serving other people because it helps you not take yourself too seriously. And so uh, being able to coach people, it's fully for me, man. Like it's, it's a (laughs) hundred percent, like I'm being totally selfish. It helps me immensely. Oh, and if it helps other people, that's cool too.
0: Sounds like right? a win-win, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, well, Jim, Barnardo, I'll have those links in the show notes as well and, and make sure folks can open up the app wherever they're listening or watching and get to your contacts right away. And hopefully they can lean into that. But man, thank you for your story. Thank you for, for sharing with us today. And of course, a big shout out to Alicia, everything yeah. she's been going through and being a fighter through all of this. I'm so proud of of you two for sharing the story and and helping so many people. Thank you for being that light, man.
1: Yeah, thanks, man. That really means a lot. I'll I'll give her that shout out as soon as I get home.
0: No, absolutely. Thank you so much. And and to the guys listening and watching, if you know anyone who could get a lot of benefit from this episode, I can name a few people myself. Please Um, share this to them. It would mean the world. We appreciate you rocking with us. All the way to the end again this is the modern man podcast where we are on a mission of connecting men in pursuit of their potential and definitely leave us a rating let us know how we're doing and hit that subscribe button for a new episode each and every single week we appreciate you guys go out there and be some modern men